Peace and blessings, everybody. You're listening to The Good Brother Experience, where it is I, the good brother, the original black man. I am Reek. What you doing? How you doing? How you been? Drink water. Rate, review, and subscribe to my program. The more stars I get, the more comments I get, the more lit I become. Last but not least, if you would like to email me, email me at goodbrotherexperience at yahoo.com. Once again, that is goodbrotherexperience at yahoo.com. Now, you read the title, so it was very obvious who you're about to have on the show. And when I say we, I mean me because I'm a fucking one-man army. Please respect me when you see me in the street. So without further ado, Damo, where you at with it? My brother. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Me and Damo are just coming off of a championship bout. You understand? We uh, we was doing uh, the thing I was telling you guys about by the name of Disfundate. And for the last one, we had Disfundfest where it was the men versus the women and the improv showdown and the men were victorious where my man Damo was the captain. And and we, we came out very victorious even though they were, the odds were stacked against us uh there's money uh a lot of disrespect we 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 did what we were supposed to do these are all facts and um the one thing i want to say about that night in particular is i viewed the show differently when i was actually competing versus them as opposed to just gelling with them did did, did you get that same experience yeah I came in wanting blood. I didn't want to be anybody's friend. And I, I had to tone it down because I realized after a while that they were like standoffers with me in particular. And I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I do still love you. Um, this is it's just a competition. Nah, I mean, prior to that, you know, I always had faith in the show and I always felt as though that they can grow and expand. But when we were competing against the women and you see the crowd really be engaged and you see the crowd waiting for a laugh, you see the you see, you see the crowd really looking at us with anticipation that we're going to say something either intriguing, funny, or fun. And I was like, you know what? The women really are holding this down. The men are really holding this down. This is actually something that can really be brought to thousands of people. Do you really do you feel that way, or am I tripping? No, I I I, I love the idea. I really want this to be like a a series. That's a fact. I'm on the same type of situation. So before we even get into that, because I have mad questions on the top of my head that I want to ask you specifically. I met you, I want to say, in mm, April. I want to say it was April, so it wasn't too long ago. And you're one of these people that everybody who I knew knew you, but I didn't know you. On you for mad long and you just never crossed paths exactly like for, for whatever reason different mediums that you chose to do whether it be poetry or djing something or a music video i always saw like niggas always re- retweeting their man dom and i like it's, it's very crazy how you meet somebody because me and you have very similar follower accounts me and you have like Hundreds of people that are mutual followers, but we just never connected. So, before I continue, what made you want to be a part of the Good Brother experience? 
Uh, I support you, man. I think that you, I think that you are, I'm going to sound corny, so I'm not going to say that. I think that you are, um, like the platform that you have and how you move, just how you speak, just you as a person, I really respect who you are. So, um, I just wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to, you know what I mean? I just wanted to stand next to the man. And you know, I can feel it in the one reason why I was pressing for us to do this episode with one another, because I don't really view it as interviews, I view it as just, just vibing, whatever have you, is to really get like a understanding of who the fuck you are. Because you do mad shit creatively, and I met you when we're both in our 30s. So, who the fuck are you? And that's a loaded, open-ended question. Which medium are you most connected to? Is it poetry? Is it rap? And when did you start that medium? Man, uh, the, the medium I'm most connected to would probably be the music because that's how anything started. Uh, backstory, here we go. I um, I grew up in church. I uh, went to Hezekiah Walker Church. It's like a very popular pastor. My mom was on the choir. My mom was on the choir. They won a Grammy. So like, music has always been just a thing. Like it's, it's always been a thing. I was on the choir even. So, uh, yeah, I went to church, did that, and then I started doing poetry, and then everything kind of fell into each other. But music is, like, the key to everything. So, what everybody doesn't know, because if this is your first introduction to Dom, then this is definitely someone you should follow. Uh, look into my bio, and I'll have his Instagram there for everybody's following pleasure. Uh, Dom is a DJ. Dom is a poet. Dom is a rapper. Dom is a improv comedian. And am I missing anything else? Uh, producer, editor, uh, videographer, photographer, literally every medium in art. <laughs> I make my own flyers. I make my own artwork. Like I, I do everything. So this is something that I grapple with as somebody who's multi-talented just like you are. I grapple with what I actually deem as success or my worth. I'll even go a little deeper. It's it's very hard for me to separate my worth from my talent. And quantifying said worth is something that I struggle with because before Instagram and before social media or whatever have you, and you're just looking at people that you just deem as entertaining Everybody has this saying that the cream will always rise to the crop. I mean, sorry, the cream. I'm sorry, the cream always rises to the top, right? That's the that's the saying. Yeah, it is. And so, the way I view myself and what people say to me has me of the belief that I'm good at a certain at certain things. But when you're not financially reaping the benefits of said talent, that really, it really makes me struggle with how talented I really am. Do you, do you deal with that same thing? Yes. And it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's extreme for me because, um, when I was doing poetry from like 16 and 19, I was making so much money. Like for a show, 45 minutes, I was getting like 3k to do poems, like as an 18 year old, like, so to go from that to like now having to like, book a show like it's 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 it is stressful it is because it's like everyone's saying oh yeah you 
you can do this and you do this. And for me, it's just really just who I am. I don't, I'm not trying to like do anything. I'm just doing what I know. But for everyone else, it's like, yeah, you're crazy. You do this and you do this. Like, I, I feel you, but I don't see it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I see it, but I don't see it. I'm not reaping anything from it. I appreciate the love always, but I can't, I can't pay bills with love. You feel me? What made you deviate from the golden goose? What you say? What made you deviate from the golden goose? That being poetry. Uh, same thing. It was. It was a so. When I was doing poetry, I was doing like youth poetry. I was a, I was a part of this organization uh, called Urban Word NYC. Shout out to Urban Word. It's a great program. If you have any kids that are thirteen and nineteen, you want to get them involved in college prep and literacy and all of those things. Urban Word is the place to go. So I did that. And I turned 19, and I was, like, aging out of youth poetry. And um, I didn't see myself doing spoken word full-time because around the city, like, we were known around the city for, like, just ripping everything. So the adults did not like us because we were taking all the gigs, and we were taking we were taking everything from them. So they started to hate us. And then I'm like, man, I'm about to age out. I don't want to. I don't want to be that because I see I'm in this organization. I see the next crop of poets and they are amazing, but I don't want to hate on them. I don't want to, you know what I mean? So it was just like, let me stop doing this because it's, I, I, it's not, I'm getting older. You know what I mean? It was like, a, it was cool as a teenager, but like as a man, I can't provide for myself doing this thing for the rest of my life. So outside of the fact of your family uh, being a Grammy award winners, congratulations, by the way, that's really dope. Me. No, I'm saying you. Well, you you said your family, right? Your family was a yeah. part of something that. Yeah. So, what made you go towards rap? Um, that's a good question. I really wanted to like produce first. Um, my mom bought me a radio. I think I was like seven. She bought me this boombox, and I kept that shit in my room and I never turned it off. And, um, yeah, just listening to I-97 growing up, listening to Power 105, I always used to rap lyrics. Like, I know, like, I know lyrics, like, the back of my hand. That's always been a thing. So I would be rapping people's stuff, and I'm like, man, I could probably, like, do this myself. Like, I don't want to rap everybody's stuff forever. And then I did a freestyle, and then my homies liked it, and I was like, all right, I'm rapping out. Like, <laughs> that's it. I had to be, like, 10. What was your first rapper name? Um, Jesus Christ. My first rapper name was WizKid. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course it was WizKid. W-H-I-Z. But you, you brought up something um, very interesting. You were speaking about aging out. I went through something very similar with the first job I had coming out of college. You know, I worked for this... Um, clothing boutique by the name of Planet Brooklyn Academy and as far as benefits uh, things that were just given to me clothing prestige uh, accessibility just being in the general vicinity of things that I like to do I was at that job at uh, I want to say 507 Atlantic Avenue for three years and I started at 23 and then I was 26 and you hit a point to where, you know, although the money is okay and the way I'm living is okay, you just feel like you're just too old for shit at some point. 
and having to reinvent yourself is something that I feel like everybody struggles with to a certain capacity. But with you, the reason why I find you to be so interesting is because I want to say throughout this conversation, we're probably never going to talk about you working anywhere, which is like, which is really cool to me because everything that you do, you lead with your talent. So how do you keep yourself motivated when you know in your heart that your surroundings should be better than what they are? I'm not saying that you live in foul. I'm not saying that you popped. I'm saying like niggas, in essence, should be in like in a better position and we aren't in the position that we would like to be. So how do you keep yourself motivated to continue on with that same philosophy like it's all going to work out? Or does it not matter? Are you just somebody who just does things that they like to do when they like to do it and however it pans out is however it pans out and you're cool with shit regardless i think i'm um i'm getting back to that for a while it was um a while it was rough because like i've i've man i've had plenty of opportunities to do everything i had me me and my homeboy like we had a group and we had a chance to be signed to sony red like i was in a, a top dog entertainment competition i could have potentially been signed to tde mad shit like that has happened throughout my career so to speak so it's like it's rough bro like i'm not gonna hold you knowing that i could have been signed multiple times is rough i deal with that all the time but at the same time it's all i know like i, I tell people all the time like I, i'm doing what i know it's not that i'm trying to be a person or trying to I, this is what i know i've been doing this for 31 years like are creating making something happen not being stagnant like i feel like that's that's what it really is the stagnancy avoiding it at all costs like if i don't feel like rapping right now i'm gonna go do comedy if i don't want to do comedy right now i'm gonna go write a, a a script if i don't want to you know what i mean so it's like every medium i have to like jump in and out of so i mean i want to be a rapper today and i'll go do something else and i feel like that's how i keep myself motivated Aside from like seeing people, I'm I'm still like a competitive person. So if I see somebody I know and they drop a, a video or some shit, I'm like, oh nah, it's time to write. <laughs> and I'm hmm. back in. But yeah, it's a it's a me having to be having to wear multiple hats. I feel like that's that's the thing that keeps me going because I I was I forgot who I was talking to, but it's a thing where I I see everything like as different lanes with different levels. So like the music would be like the highest level of talent because of, you know what I mean? I've, that's what I've been doing the longest. Then it comes, then comes like poetry and then DJing. And then, so everything is at a different level and I'm trying to get everything to the same level. So I feel like I'm rambling right now, but no, you're not rambling because I have a, a long form question to ask you. So for me listening to you, the rapping, as far as your confidence in being able to do so started when you was 10 and then six years after that you start tapping in with the poetry situation three years after that you're 19 you feel as though you're aging out so just by math you are in a space to where you can get a record deal as sony red at 20 am, am i right so far uh that was probably like 23 charge my brother Chaz and queen um that's who i was with we had a group called uptown vernacular he is on tour right now with uh, Nico High. Shout out my brother Nico. Nico is Tyler Quali's artist. So it, it is still outside, but it just, it's just not happening as fast as we wanted it to. What prevented you as a 23-year-old 
that phased out of poetry and not because of skill, but just because it was a youthful situation that you was in and you was no longer in that particular age range. What prevented you from going ahead with Sony Red and signing the record deal? Um, we didn't have proper management. It was on, it was on us for real. We didn't have the proper people to uh, to to handle the situation. It was just we had a homie that's a lawyer. Shout out to Mikey. That's my brother. But he, he didn't. We didn't know what we were doing. You know what I mean? We didn't have a. We didn't have representation. That's that's literally it. We didn't have representation. Proper representation. That is the death to every black person that I ever speak to, like for real, like not, like having improper representation, having lack thereof, or overall just getting jerked because you can't read the verbiage that's on contracts is the death of every black creator that I know, and I'm so serious. This shit is, and I don't know what to do to change it for real, because when, like you are who you are, like some people can just grow up and play piano some people are just good with numbers some people they don't need to read any type of instructional manual and they can just build a terrace with their hands some people can just fix cars like you you're naturally born with what you're supposed to be doing or what you're aligned with and then it's up to you if you want to magnify it or not you know i have an uncle that was a fucking high school record um long jumper he can take like magazines books paper plates Find China and like spin it on his finger. He can just do everything type shit, but he chose to got he chose to get married and have jobs and shit like that. And the only reason why I bring this up is keeping your eye on the prize. I feel like is the hardest thing for me to do personally. But it's hard to know what the prize is when you can just do so many things, but you're not reaping the rewards of actually being good at them. So with you. You're saying this is all you know. Have you been told what I've been told? Or, I'm sorry, from people who love you, have you been asked to do this particular thing that I've been asked to do? And that's to take the state exam. Have you been asked to do that by everybody you love, like my, like I have? You said take a stand? No, a state exam. Oh, oh, no. no, no, no. So, so nobody told you to work for the state? Everybody who is in my life is like, yo, bro, just hop on Indeed. Yo, bro, just become a uh, sanitation worker. Just become somebody on the railroad. Just you know, work for the post office. Get yourself some benefits. And then if shit clicks off, then at least you got something to fall back on. And it's not like what people are telling me isn't sound advice. Because I even opted to um, get a job. It didn't work out. But... I even opted to be like, you know what? I suppose me doing like this hustle and bustle shit that I do. Maybe I should I should find some like actual continual employment, but it just don't feel right. 
<laughs> that shit. That's the thing. It's not like niggas is not telling me good advice. It just don't feel right, son. And it's it's the worst thing in the world when you're in a space to where you you view the world in a certain way, and I can create a model to bring it to fruition so I can do things that I want to do. Because I don't need to be filthy rich. I just need to be able to pay my rent, pay my phone bill, pay my car note, get some liquor from time to time, travel probably twice a year. If I get enough money to do that shit, I'm good to go. And getting there is the hardest thing in the world. But back to you with um being a sous chef and everything like that. With all of this cooking and producing and poetry when did you recognize that you were funny and i'm not saying like funny amongst your friends like go on stage and make people laugh type of funny uh always it's, it's always been a thing like i don't i don't remember a time where someone wasn't laughing at me like it's it's always been a thing i just be serious i just be dead ass serious all the time and then um it just comes off as funny. i don't know like it's, it's just i don't know Every time I'm on the stage, every time I've been on the stage, I'll say something and people will start laughing. I'm like, I'm not trying. I'm not up here to do comedy. I just happen to say this thing. Like, literally since I was 10, I think the first, we were, I was singing something. And I forgot, I don't even remember what I said, but I do remember the entire church laughing. And I, I'm not even sure what I said. I wasn't trying to be funny, but people think I'm funny. It's the neurodivergence. I got ADHD, my boy. <laughs> on the spectrum, you feel me? I'm on the spectrum, so I just I don't I don't think how people think, so I say what I feel, and most of the time it's not it's not common or normal, so people laugh when they're uncomfortable. Do you know when I got the confidence to be able to go on stage with the understanding that I can probably make all these people laugh? You win this year doing this show. I'm 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 dead serious. Because with me, I've always been a good public speaker. I've never had to write a speech in my life, and I've won all kinds of shit in my life. And going on a podium and saying a few words is something that just comes natural to me. Um, anytime I've had to do anything in front of a group of people, I don't feel butterflies or nervousness or start to stutter or get the shakes or start sweating or anything like that. And I know if you know me, you'll find me funny because of how I speak and how I think or whatever have you. So to me, I thought I was like homeboy funny where, nah, yo, you're not for nothing. If you get to know this nigga Reek, this nigga Reek is actually, but niggas not knowing who you are and you're saying things to make strangers laugh type of funny. I didn't, I, I didn't have that in my tool bag until I literally got on that stage this year. But it's 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 literally the same thing though. You're not doing anything different. You're not doing anything that you wouldn't do. You're just going on stage and talking. So let's take the show for example, right? The way that content is being produced to the world is everybody can go to the niche people that they find to be funny or interesting. So the way I view myself is if you like dry humor, if you like the way I speak, if you like the way that I bring imagery to the things that I'm thinking, then you'll get to fuck with me. But if you don't know me from nothing and you hear me speak, then you might not be fucking with it because I might not be your type of style. So the, this podcast works is because it's subscription based. You listened, you're like, oh, I like this guy. And then from liking me, you'll find the things that I'm saying to be funny. It's very different 
when people who don't know what you look like, don't know what you sound like, never heard of you, pay a ticket to watch a group of people go on a stage and you have to make these people that you've never seen in your life laugh. That is something totally different. And that's something I never experienced before prior to today. I mean, prior to this year when I started doing this improv show. So with you, you know, prior to you uh, tapping in with this fun date, do you have any experience with stand-up comedy as well? Or do you yeah. were you doing skits or what's going on? And I did everything. <laughs> I did skits. Uh, I've been doing stand-up for like probably like four years now. But uh, even stand-up, like I wanted to do stand-up when I was 16. I saw this. Jam- Jamie Foxx is the guy for me. Like, that's the guy. That's why I do so many fucking things. Jamie Foxx is the guy. So I saw he has this special called um, How Many Security. I saw that when I was 16. Changed everything for me. Changed everything. Like everything. I was like, yo, I can do this. I could, like, I can literally do this. Do you know who that person is for me? Who? Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah. Same, same, li- quite literally the same bag. Like, it's from the same, it's from that I am everything type. You know what I mean? Like, I can, I can do, what do you mean? I can do that. I can do anything. Like, quite literally. And it's like, that, that those are representations of you doing anything. Donald Glover is a is a is a is an amazing actor. The nigga did stand up. He's a stand up comedian, and he makes amazing music. Aside from producing amazing show, it's like I don't like limits. <laughs> I don't like limits. I don't like people telling me I couldn't or can't. Or it's like, what do you mean? If I study it, then I can do it. That's how it's supposed to be. What was the first bit that you did that commanded the laugh from the crowd that you envisioned it was going to command? Actually, funny enough, Skip, uh, it was at Skip's open mic. I met Skip at Cuffs and Convos. He told me that he did comedy. He said he got an open mic, and I pulled up on him. And that's how me and Skip got cool. So at his open mic, I said a joke about um, babies' names. Talking about babies' names, like how people are naming children old-ass names, and like how when you give your child a name, they, they have to live with that shit. So, uh, what did I say? I said, um, I know a baby named Douglas. He fixes cars, smokes cigarettes and shit. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, like, so it's like, that was, that was the bit. And it, it went how I knew it would. Because mm-hmm. I was trying it. I was, uh, me and my boy, Score, we were roommates. And we would just do stand-up in the living room. Like, we would just go back and forth. And I, he needs to start doing it more, too, because he's funny as hell, but. Yeah, we were doing it in the living room. So that's how I started practicing, just in the living room, back and forth with this nigga. But it's a stage. Again, any, anything on a stage I can do. When I see a stage, I'm home. It's very comfortable up there. Very comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, um, I was, I mean, I listened to your music sporadically, but that was just as a stranger of somebody that was just on Twitter and then people that, you know, retweeting your stuff. But watching you be on stage during this uh this fun day situation it was very evident that you should have been the captain of the team and you know i told this told you this in private and i'll tell this to you know my listenership here i'm extremely competitive especially when i know i'm good at something so i'm i'm down to bow down to when i feel like people are better than me at certain things but when i know i'm like ill at something like it's very hard for me 
not doing the command all the respect that can be commanded. So when it first came out that we was going to choose captains and it was going on a voting system, my ego started to get involved. And I was like, okay, I know it started in February and I know I came in around April or May, so I missed a few months. But there is not a single time I hopped on the stage and didn't make the crowd laugh. If I see this, and if people after the show is giving me a thousand daps, then obviously the cast got to see this. And then as things were going and the voting was coming in, I'm like, hold on, nigga. What the fuck, nigga? I'm not in the lead? How the fuck? I'm the original. How the fuck am I not in the lead? And then I saw who was in the lead. I'm like, ha, ah, Dom is in the lead. I'm cool with this. And once I told myself I was cool with this, and th obviously this is coming from ego, I was like, all right, this nigga, he's talented to me. You're just not somebody who I'm being told is mad talented, which is something that I'm pretty sure you've experienced as well. But James like, yo, son, listen to my man's stuff. Or, yo, my son is funny. And then you're watching him. It's like, nigga, this is funny? Yeah. This nigga, you, you consider this to be nice? This nigga ain't nice. But once I saw I was like, all right, I was, I was cool with that. So it's very, um, it's very obvious that you are at home at stage. Um, I'm sorry, you're, you're at home while you are on stage. What are some things that you did to lower your heart rate so you will be able to perform without feeling the jitters of, yo, I'm about to fuck up? What are some things that you personally had to do in the beginning? Man, I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, doing, being a part of Urban Word was the ultimate cheat code. That's why I'm most comfortable with animal stage. Like, spoken word, uh, uh, it, it was weird because they were teaching us like for the ones who were like really in it they were like fake teaching us how to be a performer like how to command the stage spoken word you it's just you you know what i'm saying there's no music there's no one everybody's waiting to hear what you're gonna say it's complete silence like that 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 was one of the scariest moments i've ever had in my life i was i performed at uh this is new amsterdam theater on 42nd street i performed it was like even the apollo performed the apollo too thousands of people looking at me waiting for me to say something and i'm just there on stage in silence that that is what got me to be comfortable on stage because it's like when people come to a show they're coming to a show like they they don't care what's going on they just want to see something so once i grasped that it was like okay cool i could just get on stage and literally do whatever because that's what they're here for they're sitting down to watch they don't care what's happening it could have been a fight that broke out still watch it. What learning is that or learning that at like sixteen was everything that, that that knocked down every door for as far as like performing and being nervous. I still get nervous, but I know why. Like I know why. It's just a, it's a natural thing. Once you stop being nervous and whatever you do, you don't need to do it no more. You're too comfortable. I don't like being comfortable. Like that's it's too comfortable. You can't be that comfortable to where you're performing in front of anyone and you don't feel nothing nah you gotta pick a different you gotta pick a different path so so, yeah. so amongst so among doing all this when did you pick up the skill of DJing uh this year what made you wanna um go over to DJing um I well actually a couple years ago my, my best one of my best friends uh got a turntable and we was just fucking around on it. He didn't really know what to do. I didn't know what to do. But I started I started being on this shit way more than him. And he was like, all right, nigga, give me my shit back. <laughs> and then he started going crazy. But uh, this year, I I was just 
I just don't like a lot of New York City DJs, um, quite frankly. And I was like, I could DJ. And then my godbrother had this um, this event that he plays for, and they needed a DJ. He was like, yo, bro, you want a DJ? And I was like, bet. So that's how that happened. That was my, my first DJ gig was a paid gig. Like, no one knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So, I didn't know what I was doing at the same time. With having a year of experience, for, with you being on the other side, you're the person providing the bribes as opposed to being the recipient. What do you think is something that's understated about DJs that the common person can't really understand unless they was to do it? And I'm going to get into examples as, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to get more in depth as to why I'm asking you this question. Um, I feel like the one thing that's the worst is people coming up for requests. That shit. Why? Why are you? Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> but but, but no. But, but but I'm asking. Why? I'm asking a very different question. I feel as though everybody is quick to call a DJ trash, but they've never mm-hmm. been in a position to where they've had to sonically make decisions to dictate the body movements of hundreds to thousands of people. So to somebody who's not DJ before, what is the? What are some things that? Unless you've done this, you don't really know what trash is and what trash isn't. It's it, mostly it's transitions. A lot of New York City DJs are bad at transitions, like song to song. It's terrible. We'll be listening to Burner Boy, and then uh, Robin S is playing or something like it, it's it's just bad transitions. The vibes are never. It's all it's it's a it's a thing where. It's like I want to play as much music as I want to play as, as many different types of music as I can. So, That's the worst. So you're, you're, you're semi-answering my question, but all right, let me give you like an analogy. Let's say we're watching basketball, right? Me and you are at a basketball game, and we see somebody running full speed, and they got the fast break, and they see somebody trailing behind them. And what they do is they do a hezzy, and they do an up-and-under reverse while running full speed. They make the layup, they run back on defense, nobody says anything. Unless you play basketball, you don't know how hard it is to do an up-and-under reverse or running full speed when somebody's trailing you. But unless you've actually done this move or unless you've actually been in a position to where somebody who is more athletic is trailing behind you and you got to adjust the way you are contorting the ball to put it towards the rim, you don't know how hard that layup was. You don't know how hard it is to get past somebody who's the freak of nature in their town with a crossover and do a floater from 18 feet away. You're just watching shots go in. But if you've never done anything, if you've never done anything athletic in your life, you'll look at somebody in the NBA and say that they're garbage. But you can't make an offhand layup. You feel me? You can't make a wide open three. So for somebody who's never DJed before, what are some things that if you've never done this, you don't have the authority to say something is trash? What are some difficult things to do as a DJ that the common man just wouldn't know unless they did it? Transitions. Transitions. <laughs> Got it. That's why I said you said my answer to my question. Transitions. Got it. Well, that's it's 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 literally the whole thing like that that will make or break a party like i'm sure you've been to parties and heard a selection that was very just no you know like how do we how do we get here Mm -hmm. how did you make the decision to go here but sometimes it'd be pressure it'd be people that pays you to perform or people that paid you to spend they want to hear a song 
somebody cash up, use some money to hear a song. So it's like you, it's hard to 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 balance music being loud, drunken people yelling at you, um, uh, not knowing what song you're gonna play next. Uh, at, at this one day, I spun. I couldn't even use a controller, or I couldn't spin for real. I had to play off my laptop, but nobody knew that because you don't have to. But that was tough, nigga. Like. I'm live playing right now off my laptop because my laptop won't connect to the controller. Shit like that happens. It happens. But transition is transitioning is definitely the most because you don't man, like it's 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 the vibe. You have to stay in the vibe. You control the vibe. But you also have to stay in and it's weird. You're gonna lose people. Everybody don't like the same shit. Nah, nah that 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 makes total sense for real, and and this and this is why I believe that DJs, well, not DJs overall, because there's some incredible DJs out there. Uh, you being one of them, for you for for you to have done it for such a short amount of time, what you was doing at um, what what you was doing at the this fun date after party was incredible. But there's something in particular I wanted to highlight. And this is a problem that I have with DJs, not just New York City DJs, but DJs overall. It feels, though, what separates the people who can technically DJ from the DJs that are actually good at that job is their ability to look up. Do you agree? To look up and see what's happening? Yes, because as you were saying before, transitioning is the name of the game. And when you're going through all that pressure, yo, it's only me up here. Yo, everybody is moving and grooving to what I decide to play. What am I going to play? It looks like that song didn't work. Let me go back to the playlist. And you see a lot of DJs will go through a full set and won't look up one time. And I believe the difference between somebody good and somebody who can technically just do it and just, all right, cool, that was all right set, is looking up and being like, you know what this party needs? This fucking party needs some whiz kid. Not you at 10 years old. I'm talking about the fucking Nigerian whiz kid. That being, you know what this party needs? This party needs some, I should fuck niggas up and play like a Tyler, the creator song, but just pay the first 30 seconds because this song reminds me of this song and then this can go into this and then this can go into the Lil Wayne and now I can do my Lil Wayne set. But if you're not looking up to see like, hold on, I feel like niggas is trying to talk to girls right now. Maybe I should play some reggae. Or, yo, everybody's sitting down. Let me get the women involved. So let me just play the fucking Cash Doll, Cardi B, Meg The Stallion set. But if you're not looking up, you can't dictate these things. Do you think that's what separates a good DJ from a technical DJ? Or do you think there's something else that separates the good from the great? I think that that is definitely a thing. Um, but I think it's also about your music knowledge. Like, there are people who are not versed in music that try to DJ. It's like, you don't, you can't, like, it's it's just certain things in the culture that is like, you just know. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know, then you don't know. And a lot of people that are DJing that have no musical skill whatsoever. But it, aside, music, musical skill aside, the technical part of it, like the actual, the actual art of DJing, they're not, it's, people just be doing shit. People just be doing shit. And, it looks bad, but I feel like enough people don't tell the DJ that they're bad. I feel in, like in in real time or afterwards? In real time. Um, 
So that's where you think, do you think this is why people come up to request songs? Do you think people come up to request songs because the DJs know what they're doing or they're just waiting for a certain song to be played and the DJ's playing around? Either either way. It goes either way. It definitely goes either way. I've had people come up to me with a stink face, but everybody else is dancing. And I've had people come up to me really hype when no one was dancing. Like, it, it, it goes. Like, sometimes it's like, I just want to hear this song right now. I'm here with my girl, and her birthday is, it's always something. My friend's birthday, or I just want to hear, or can you play because my, I don't know, people be drunk. When niggas get drunk, they get in their feels, and they're trying to cherish the moment. And that's another thing, moments. Like, this is the moment we're having right now. Like, we're in this space together right now, and I, I am controlling the vibe, so I should make sure that everyone is enjoying themselves. A lot of times when you're trying to come up and whatever you're doing, whether you're creating clothes, if you are a if you're a sous chef like yourself, if you're somebody who dabbles in baked goods or anything, a lot of people will be like, yo, if you just do X, Y, Z, it should be taken to the next level. What are some things that you think that you should do to take Let's say the rapping to the next level. I'm not even talking about going platinum. Just being in a space to where you can get $5,000 a month from your song being on Soundcore and then from Soundcore being on Apple Music and stuff. What is the one piece that you think you're missing? And I'll tell you what the one piece I think I'm missing with podcasting. Um, Again, representation. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, I have a decade worth of work across the across the board it's it's representation i just need representation and i know it's a we're in a space now where everyone is doing everything but i can't do everything because i'm already doing everything you know what i mean i need someone to help me like that's that's it i just need representation that's always been the thing because the skill is here the talent is here i can turn it on turn it off but i'm not good at speaking to people i don't like people to be honest quite frankly i don't like humans so it's hard sometimes I need someone to be able to speak for me. And in my case, I feel like on top of me doing this improv comedy, I feel like I have to do stand up and I have to rap. And it's not even for the reason that you might think. It's come to my attention that a lot of podcasters, especially podcasters in a high regard, have something to them to bring people towards them. And it's very seldom where the thing that brings people to them is intellect. Most of the time they were in a show or they're seen doing this or, yo, this person was seen doing that. Or the person is gay or the person is a thug or the person is hyper attractive or these people. Oh, you remember them from this and now they're doing this and this is doper than the thing that you saw them do initially. Like It's, it's always something along the lines of niggas is podcasting off the strength of something that they did prior. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Or, and I even or, I feel like being a popular podcaster, but just podcasting, specifically my kind of podcasting, where my podcast isn't interview-oriented, it's not guest-oriented, it's literally just me most of the time, people need a reason to be like, oh, Reek, yeah, he does comedy and he raps and he fucking did that. Like, it just can't be Reek is smart, Reek has a dope point of view, I believe that's I believe that's not gonna 
bring the people here. Secondarily, I have to fucking get like an engineer and a manager and like really put money into it to have a chance to be visible. And that's the thing that really kills me. Like if I was to go balls to the wall, take out loans or get a job just to be able to pay for things and I'm thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars deep on some independent shit. I have to do this like the talent will help me out and it will be worth it at the end of the day. And me going into things with the hope that it might work out isn't how my brain works. So I'm kind of at a battle with myself. Know what I mean, and with and this is why I asked you earlier in the show, what do you do to self motivate? Because when you're in a space to where like, yo, I anytime I do something, niggas like it. When I started doing this podcast, when I when I did my last podcast, Reek, we loved you. I started doing this podcast, Reek, don't ever stop. This shit is actually dope. Start doing improv comedy this year, fucking one MVP. Like anytime I do something, Reek grants. I haven't done regrants in years. It's me with a black backdrop looking at a camera for 60 seconds talking nonsense and people like it. So I know I'm on to something, but just constantly pushing myself and be like, you know what? If I just keep doing this, after all, shit is going to work out. But life don't work like that, son. Like at all. So what are some things that are on the Internet that were best represent you as far as your creativity somebody like a lot of people this might be a lot of people's first time knowing who you are if you're like you know if you really want to know how i get down some creative shit watch this video on youtube watch this video on youtube watch this listen to this song on soundcloud and if you don't like that you probably won't like nothing i got going on um man i have so much shit uh (laughs) I'm not talking about, and I'm asking you a very specific question. It's not what specifically you find to be the best. What is the things that, if you don't like this, you probably won't like me? Yeah, uh, I do this. I I started remixing cartoon intros. I feel like that's the that's something that would bring anyone in. I've been leading with that. I went viral like a couple times off of that. It's uh, I did like a, a Spider-Man remix and I did a Detroit X-Men remix. And that shit is everywhere all the time. Every day somebody's tagging me and the people still hit me up like, yo, this you? I'm like, nigga, yes. <laughs> You've spoken about this before. Like, how do you not? But yeah, the X-Men, the X-Men, um, the X-Men remix would probably be the thing that I show anyone. Because normally when I do show, show someone, they're like, yo, this is you? Oh, I didn't even... I was playing this, and I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. What do you type in YouTube in order to see this? You type in X-Men theme song, Easy Tunes, or X Easy Tunes. Just type in Easy Tunes, E-A-S-E-Y Tunes. It'll pop up. I got a bunch of lit-ass cartoon intros. I remixed Powerpuff Girls. That's my favorite one. I remixed the Powerpuff Girls. It's future. Um... <laughs> Yeah, bro. Like it's <laughs> each 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 intro. I'm like being another artist, essentially. I did a I did a Batman intro with Twenty One Savage. Spider Man one was Migos, I think. That was the first time I went viral. I got booked off mad shows off of that. It's like hit like a million plus views on my page, and then people started stealing it, and it was on mass appeal. I think it was on Complex. It was all over the place. What is the next creative endeavor? I'm sorry, I was away from the microphone when I was asking. What is the next creative endeavor that's about to take a bulk of your time? 
um, man, endeavors. I'm working on like two projects right now. My boy Quality gave me some beats. Shout out my brother Quality. I'm working on a project that he he sent me beats for, and then I'm working on a project that I made beats for. Aside from that, I'm working on a script. Um, I have a show that I've had in the tuck for that long. We tried to shoot it. I'm gonna try to redo it again. And that's for right now. That's it. Music and music and film is where I'm at right now. And where can people find you? People can find me on uh, Instagram, Black Planet, Mihente, um, Stonex, Damo Briggs, <laughs> Chancleta Poppy underscore on everything. Or just Google Damo Briggs. I will pop up, I promise you. Damo, thank you so much for doing the show, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I feel good. I feel better about myself. No, I mean, I, I was graced with the presence of Damon Briggs. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell my aunt about this when I get off this phone. I was on a, I was on a good brother experience. I'm calling my mother right now. Peace and blessings. Past the dressing. You just got finished speaking to the captain and the MVP. You bitch ass niggas. And I'll speak to y'all on Monday. <laughs>